If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at American Signature Furniture or designerlooks.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung. Hey everybody, it's Lowe's Week 13 Recap Week 14 Preview. I think that uh, leads us into the first week of the playoffs for the vast majority of leagues out there. Hope your teams are doing well. Hope you've made it into the playoffs. Hope you've got a first round bye like the Lowe's. Oh, do you? Because it's not in uh, the league that we're in together. It's not in your league, no. You're you're absolutely right. But I've just been sitting pretty in uh, this other one. Got a loss, but doesn't matter. You know, that's that's lost life right there. It's true, and uh, it's also the Russell Wilson life right now because he just batted a ball up in the air for some unknown reason for a pick six. Hey, fun! For the love of the game. <laughs> you know, uh, I know what he was trying to do and to bat it away, but uh, it just so happened to go straight to a defender, and uh, that's kind of how fantasy goes, too. Just uh, you never know. Yes, sir. For example, uh, I need Chris Carson to score fewer than 30 points tonight, which he hasn't done all season, but I'm still nervous because you never know. Do you get points for concussions in this league? No, but I, I believe he is back in, so uh, hopefully he <laughs> yeah, won't. He uh, uh, maybe he should get negative two for that concussion. I think that's a new rule I'm putting in right now. Very good, very good. But uh, you know who who wouldn't be very happy about the concussion rule. No, tell me who. Uh, Taylor Gabriel, but uh, we'll, uh, Ooh, we'll, we'll get yeah. to him in just a second on the Thursday night game. But let's start with the Gillette close shave. The expectation was for the Eagles to come down to South Florida and roll over the Dolphins, getting their playoff run back on track. But it wasn't to be. Despite a pick on the first play from scrimmage from Ryan Fitzpatrick, Miami managed to turn things around. A big trick play on a fake field goal by Miami in the first half cut into Philadelphia's lead, but the offense played its part as well, notably Devontae Parker. The fifth-year wide receiver who'd been having a breakout year continued his dominance, catching seven passes for 159 yards and two touchdowns en route to the Dolphins' 37-31 upset win over the Eagles. Get your close shave like Devontae Parker with Gillette. There's a best for every man. Get $3 off your first order when you create an account using the code WELCOME3. And try Gillette's new heated razor, providing comfort with every stroke. Making things hot down in Miami. Devontae Parker, kid was mega talented coming out of school. Good to finally see him... uh get that come to, coming together. And I'm sure there's a lot of dynasty players out there that are hoping to see some of the same for Corey Davis next year. Yeah, I think there's a lot of dynasty owners who are very angry right now because I've seen him dropped, sold for third-round picks, all those yep. uh, in, in many dynasty leagues, and for good reason because he really didn't do much until this year. Yes, sir. But, uh, you know, that's that's the, the way the fantasy gods work sometimes. Indeed, and, and maybe it just takes a little time for Chicago to get on track. Maybe. Maybe they can get on track. Segway. This Thursday night it versus the Dallas uh, Cowboys, 
Dallas takes on Chicago in Chicago, Thursday night football, two Thursday games for Chicago in a row. Uh, Dallas was limited by that tough Buffalo defense, but are going to try and bounce back here versus Chicago. Dak was great again, 350 yards, two touchdowns with 25 rushing yards. No reason to sit him here versus Chicago. Ezekiel Elliott's a running back one. Plenty of uh, plenty of rushing yards and seven catches here. And despite the matchup, Amari Cooper was fine. Eight of 11, 85 yards with Gallup going three of six, 63 yards. Just five of five, 53 yards for Randall Cobb, who will have down days anytime Amari uh, Cooper produces. I'd roll out Cooper and Gallup again with confidence this week for sure. Um, the, the Bears do have Akeem Hicks, who was back on the practice field. I don't think he'll be back this week in time for Thursday, uh, but he will provide a uh, massive boost to their defense when he's back. But I don't think just yet. Correct. Uh, Hicks is still one more week away from being eligible to return from injured reserve. So that is certainly good news for Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and company here. Um, they should be fine. The only concern I have with Mari Cooper is yet another knee injury, uh, this time a contusion from a hit uh, from a helmet to his knee. He's played through these injuries all season. He is expected to play Thursday night, uh, but the question is going to be effectiveness. I, I still like Cooper here as a high-end wide receiver too, but there's a little bit of risk with the injury, so just keep that in mind here. Uh, as you said, I, I do like Gallup fine as a mid-range wide receiver three. And Cobb's not a bad wide receiver four option here. Uh, as Again, as you said, Los, uh, Cobb's production is going to be a little bit reliant on how much Cooper can produce. And uh, right now, uh, that, that remains to be seen. Uh, Chicago's secondary has been playing fairly well this year overall. And then finally, Jason Witten had a big day against the Bills, but that was with the Cowboys trailing for most of the game. I would expect this one to be pretty close, and Dallas probably likely to have the lead at some point. So I wouldn't expect another huge day for Witten here. But that said, the Bears are top 10 in fantasy points allowed to opposing tight ends, so Witten is a serviceable tight end to option. Uh, Chicago narrowly defeated the Lions 24-20 to despite the bad Lions defense. Mitchell was decent from a numbers perspective, 338 yards, three touchdowns. Certainly not expecting this here versus Dallas. Uh, this was behind another very solid Anthony Miller day who shook free on two deep balls for a total of nine catches on 13 targets for 140 yards. And Allen Robinson's 8 of 12 of 86 yards in the touchdown. Uh, David Montgomery had a rare solid day, 16 carries, 75 yards, plus two catches and a touchdown. Tariq Cohen carried the ball just three times and added four catches for 26 yards. Uh, this week, A-Rob is back as a, a back-end wide receiver, too. Uh, David Montgomery's a running back three for me this week. It's winner go home now in the playoffs, and I'm Unfortunately, not going to be able to rely on Chicago to get me there this Thursday. Well, but with the exception of Allen Robinson, right? Yes. Right. Um, and as with Trubisky, uh, I liked him last week against the Lions. He came through with 23 points, but Dallas is a tougher challenge. That said, they did give up 27 fantasy points to Jeff Driscoll earlier this season. So Trubisky is an okay mid-range QB2 in deeper leagues if you're hurting at the position. Uh, as you said, Robinson should be just fine as a wide receiver, too. And then, as we mentioned, Taylor Gabriel uh, likely out this game. Uh, one, it's a short week, and two, uh, it is his second of the season, so I would think that he needs a little bit more time here to clear the protocol. We'll see about that, but assuming he's out, Anthony Miller's an interesting wide receiver four option who has some upside if the Bears can stay in this game. He's gotten way more involved in the offense as of late, averaging 11 targets per game over the last three weeks. 
And then as you said, uh, Montgomery I have as an RB3 as well. Uh, but Cohen, a flex plane PPR also, uh, he may be the better PPR play, assuming that Chicago trails here. And Dallas has struggled at times covering receiving running backs, especially with Leighton Vanderesh out. There's a non-zero chance of Chicago winning this game at home, but without Akeem Hicks, I think the smart, the smart bet would still be on Dallas. Yeah, Dallas did manage to lose to the Jets, which I can't forget because that's what knocked me out of my survival pool this year, but I'm still going to take Dallas against uh, against our Chicago Bears. Sunday games kicking off at 1 p.m. Eastern, Carolina at Atlanta. Many embarrassing losses this week across the NFL, not the least of which was Carolina losing to Washington 29-21. Kyle Allen was solid in the matchup, but the Carolina defense was just horrid. Uh, Christian McCaffrey's a running back one in Atlanta. DJ Moore had a nice day, six catches on 12 targets, 75 yards and a touchdown. Stays an upside wide receiver, too, with that volume. Curtis Samuel got into the mix was this week with four catches on seven targets, 65 yards in the touchdown. He has a shot in the flex this week as a wide receiver four versus Atlanta. Uh, he's certainly going to have a lot more upside if Greg Olson remains out. He took a big shot to the head on a tackle, taking him off the field. Right, and we'll see about Olson here, um, if he can return from the concussion this week. If so, I'd have Olsen as a mid-range tight end too. And if he's out, uh, Ian Thomas would be a desperation start for deeper leagues, but Atlanta has covered opposing tight ends fairly well this year, so I wouldn't expect a huge game for Thomas, even if Olsen misses. And then, as I said last week, uh, I'm pretty high on DJ Moore now at this point. Uh, he has that consistent target volume in PPR leagues. He's a wide receiver one for me yet again, given that target share, uh, and I would agree with Curtis Samuels a flex play. As for Atlanta, they had a tough night versus New Orleans, losing 26-18 to with Julio Jones uh, coming out of the game. Matt Ryan was all right, 300-plus yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Um, Julio was a holiday scratch. Kelvin Ridley stepped up for eight catches, 10 targets, 91 yards, and Russell Gage filled in admirably with five catches on night and targets, 52 yards in the touchdown. We did see the holiday return of Devontae Freeman to the backfield committee grabbing 17 carries for 51 yards on the ground and four receptions to just four carries and three catches for Brian Hill. Freeman has running back two upside versus this terrible Carolina rushing defense. He may actually have running back one upside, but I'm certainly not uh, putting that on a, on, a, on record. If he's back, Julio's a must-start player who, who will have a who will probably have a wide receiver two type of floor here. Kelvin Ridley's worked himself into wide receiver two territory, regardless of the health of uh, Julio Jones. And if Julio cannot go, I think uh, Gage is an all right flex again. Yep. I uh, agree with pretty much all that. And I think even if Julio were to play, I would still have Gage uh, worth a look as a wide receiver four. Uh, I just don't know that Julio's shoulder would be a hundred percent. So maybe um, a little bit of a decoy status there, still plenty of targets to go around to gauge, uh, assuming, of course, that Austin Hooper is still out. Um, he does have the potential to come back this week, but we still haven't really seen him practice, so that, uh, yet, that remains to be seen as of yet. Carolina looks like uh, a team that's pretty much given up, uh, given the struggles of Kyle Allen. I'm going to take Atlanta to sweep it against Carolina. I'm going to take Atlanta at home. Baltimore at Buffalo. Baltimore got off that last second game-winning field goal to take the Niners out 20-17. to Lamar Jackson delivered with a passing touchdown and a rushing touchdown and 100 yards passing and 100 yards rushing. Remains a must-start at quarterback. Um, yardage, his yardage included uh, three passes, 
uh, 50 yards and a touchdown to Mark Andrews. Not really much to anybody else. The Buffalo secondary is their strength, uh, though they do allow some production to the tight end. So Andrews remains a tight end one. But I'd continue to avoid the wide receivers here this week. Mark Ingram has the easier part of the matchup against the rush defense and should be a solid running back, too, here. After just a 15-carry, 59-yard day. Gus Edwards getting a little more action in, but I think Ingram will be be fine here. Ingram should be fine, uh, as should Lamar Jackson. Uh, the only thing I'd add here is I would look out for Buffalo um, if they choose to focus some coverage on Mark Andrews here. The Ravens did that to George Kittle this past week and limited him nicely, so it would make sense for Sean McDermott to copy that tactic uh, against Baltimore themselves, another team that heavily utilizes the tight end in the passing game, but as you said, you're still starting Andrews as a tight end one unless you somehow still have another top five option at tight end. And the Marquise Brown has some upside here, but just a wide receiver four, as you said, uh, it's much easier to run on this Bills team than it is to throw against them, as Dak Prescott found out on Thanksgiving. Expect a lot of Jackson and Ingram on the ground. Buffalo came out strong on Dallas on Thanksgiving, uh, winning 26-15, to 15, but will certainly have their work cut out for them here versus Baltimore. Josh Allen added another 20-plus point day, remains a quarterback one for me. And despite both defenses, I'm expecting a good amount of offensive production from both sides here. Not necessarily points, but some yardage. Singletary finally got a bit more involved in the past game with three receptions and a touchdown on top of 14 carries, 63 yards rushing, and remains an upside running back three. Gore is not worth a start at this point in the season, but he is still mixing in on rushing downs. Cole Beasley had a big week behind six catches, seven targets, 110 yards, and a touchdown. While John Brown was targeted by the defense and held in check to just three catches, four targets, 26 yards. He did salvage his own day a bit with a passing touchdown. Uh, This defense is tough, but I think he's a wide receiver three at worst with a lot of big play potential with both these offenses rolling. Yeah, John Brown, even uh, if he doesn't throw a a touchdown here, has shown to have a pretty high floor and ceiling. I've got him as a high-end wide receiver three and Beasley a low-end flex. Um, And I do agree that I still have Allen as a low-end QB1, given his mobility and rushing production. Uh, I will say, though, Allen's upcoming schedule is very tough. So if if you've been relying on him uh, for the – in fantasy, excuse me, thus far, um, maybe at least consider some streaming options for weeks 14, 15, and 16. Uh, Again, um, just very difficult matchups for him. I believe it's Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and then New England in the fantasy championships. So certainly uh, very challenging matchups for him here. I'm going to take Baltimore uh, because uh, how could you not at this point? (laughs) Yeah, I'm right there with you, Baltimore. Cincinnati at Cleveland. The Bengals got their first win of the season against the Jets behind 243 yards and a touchdown for Andy Dalton in his return. Uh, He spread that ball around well, hitting Boyd for 5 of 10, 59 yards and a touchdown. Auden Tate for 4 of 7, 66 yards, and 5 catches on 6 targets, 51 yards to C.J. Uzuma. Just one catch for Tyler Eifert, but he uh, did have a near touchdown. Boyd will be a back-end wide receiver, too, here with Auden Tate in the flex consideration. Joe Mixon is a running back, too, getting that volume with 19 carries, 44 yards in the touchdown, and adding four catches this week. Andy Dalton is a sneaky hold for bi-week teams, I think, people who have earned that. Week 15, he gets New England if you have the room to wade through that, but championship week, he goes into Miami, so that could go quite well for you if you're uh, 
if you're uh, a Josh Allen guy. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point about Dalton. Um, as for Tyler Boyd, I still am in that wide receiver three range. Uh, the Browns secondary has been playing well now that now that they're all healthy. Uh, Tate, I likewise, uh, you know, I have a bit lower as a wide receiver four, and part of that is that John Ross is expected to return this week from IR. Uh, so even if he doesn't play a huge role, uh, you know, he's going to take up some targets, but certainly Auden Tate's pr- proven to be a very talented, contested catch guy. Uh, he's got that touchdown upside any given week here. And then finally, I, I do also like Mixon as an RB2. My concern last week about Mixon against the Jets was that he just hasn't been much involved as a receiver. Uh, but with Andy Dalton back here, uh, Zach Taylor seems to be trying something new. Mixon got a season-high 79% of the snaps and finally six targets as a receiver. Um, Prior to this game, really, uh, Giovanni Bernard was being used heavily still as the pass-catching back, but if Mixon starts getting involved as a a receiver, that's going to give him a much higher floor and ceiling in PPR going forward. I would expect the Bengals to try and run quite a bit here, uh, much like uh, Pittsburgh did against the Browns, rather than throwing it a ton. So, uh, yeah. Go ahead and start up Mixon. Cleveland could not uh, complete the season sweep of the Steelers, and now they get that easier Cincinnati defense. Baker Mayfield is a solid quarterback, stream play at home. The whole team was held pretty well in check by Pittsburgh. Jarvis Landry led the team six catches on 11 targets for just 76 yards, and he's a wide receiver too here. Odell Beckham was held to three catches, six targets, only 29 yards, but this is a week he can blow up with wide receiver one type numbers given the opportunity. Uh, The running backs were mostly held in check too. Nick Chubb ran for just 16 carries, 58 yards with one 20-yard catch. And Kareem Hunt ran for 46 yards on seven carries and they added five catches on five targets, 19 yards, and a touchdown in the air. Chubb's an upside running back two here, and Hunt is a back and running back two. Certainly better in PPR, but probably able to start across the board, certainly in the flex at the very least. Uh, David Njoku did not see any action, so we'll see what the reports say this week. Right, and Joku would be an interesting tight end, too, against Cincinnati if he returns. But even if not, he might be worth stashing for Week 15. Uh, as you said with Andy Dalton uh, against Miami Week 16, Njoku gets Arizona next week. So he might be worth a preemptive <laughs> pickup if you've got the first-round buy this week or even if you just want to prevent an opponent from using Njoku against you. Um, as we know, pretty much every tight end scores against the Cardinals. Finally, uh, Baker Mayfield's hand, throwing hand is bruised. Um, he hit it against a Pittsburgh player's helmet, but the x-rays were negative and he is expected to play this game, but keep an eye on his practice status just in case. And I'm actually much, much higher on Chubb <laughs> than you are this week. I expect a heavy dose of Chubb against this Bengals run defense. Uh, unlike Adam Gase's foolhardy plan to throw it against the Bengals, I think Chubb Uh, Should get a lot of run here. I've got him as a top five running back. And then Hunt as a PPR flex. And then Mayfield as a high-end QB2. And finally, uh, after much consideration and deliberation and consternation, I I think it's finally time. Uh, I'm going to put Landry a few spots over Beckham in my rankings as a mid-range wide receiver too. Uh, The targets are just going his way more, and Landry's got a safer floor right now with similar ceiling. It wouldn't shock me if the Bengals stole two in a row, but I am going to go with the home team, Browns. I'm going to take the Browns as well. I, I don't see any way that they can screw this one up, but, you know, I guess I've been surprised before by that uh, by that city. Washington at Green Bay. The Skins got a rare win versus the Panthers behind 
Um, <clears throat> sorry, 10 carries, 129 yards, and two touchdowns for Darius Geis. 13 carries, 99 yards, and a touchdown for Adrian Peterson. Geis is a running back three here in Green Bay only. Uh, I'm not taking too much from this fluke game. Uh, Terry McLaurin was held to two catches, four targets, eight yards, which I think that is a microcosm that tells you about all you need to know about this this Washington offense. I, I'm not getting too cute in the playoffs this week if I need a, if I need a win. Right. Maybe McLaurin gets something going, but his production is really getting dragged down by Haskins struggling. I've got him as a wide receiver four right now. You probably, hopefully, have better options at wide receiver if you made the playoffs. And uh, that's a fair point about Geis. I've got him as an RB3 here as well. Uh, it's still committee backfield in Washington, but the big change that helps Geis is that he is now getting the goal line carries over Adrian Peterson. We saw that against Carolina. Uh, that plus the fact that he is the best uh, you know, playmaker of those three Washington running backs definitely makes him the best play in that backfield. The Packers handled the Giants and get another easy matchup. Rodgers threw four touchdowns, leaving not really much for the running backs. Uh, that happens sometimes. If Aaron Jones runs in four touchdowns, Aaron Rodgers is going to throw zero. If Rodgers throws touchdowns, Running backs aren't going to run them in. You deal with it. Just 11 carries, 18 yards, and four catches uh, for Aaron Jones, who missed the goal line at least twice. He could have had a much better day. We wouldn't even have to be talking about this. 10 carries, 41 yards, and four catches for Jamal Williams, who had much, much less defensive attention. Uh, Devontae Adams had a nice day. Six catches, 10 targets, 64 yards, and two touchdowns. And Alan Lazard led the team with 103 yards and a touchdown on only three catches. If you can deal with the up and downs and need a high-risk play, Lazard is the number two Green Bay receiver. This isn't a bad matchup, so I, I would be okay with him in the flex. I'd probably prefer Jamal Williams in the flex, honestly, um, but I like them both this week. Jones is a high upside running back, too, and Adams is a no-brainer, of course. Uh, Rodgers should be a quarterback one versus Washington. Yep, love Rodgers for the second week in a row here. Uh, but really, this Green Bay committee at running back is killing Aaron Jones. I've got him as just a mid-range RB2 here. He's going to need a touchdown to be you know, productive, as Jamal Williams is just stealing so much PPR production with the pass game usage, and he's averaged 11 carries per game as well over the last three weeks. Williams is a viable mid-range RB3 here, uh, unfortunately for Aaron Jones owners, but I guess if you need Williams, uh, he's a fairly reliable start. And as you said, Alan Lazard has become the number two wide receiver behind Adams, but Green Bay is still splitting snaps between Lazard and the other wide receivers quite a bit. Um, it seems like they just infuriatingly want to mix in all these guys, uh, despite us seeing that Lazard and Jones can provide those big plays. Um, still Lazard is the best bet if you need a Packers wide receiver at, to start here in fantasy, but I've got him as a boomer bust wide receiver four. And then of course you're starting Adams. And despite the low target value, maybe Graham has some upside as a mid range tight end too. Uh, Washington isn't great at covering the tight end, but it's going to really just depend on whether or not Rogers is going to use him. This is the most confident pick of the week for me. Give me green Bay. I'll take green Bay. Detroit at Minnesota. David Blah looked like a veteran, actually, the way he was carving up that Bears defense. He is not afraid to take shots at his big play options, and that's going to keep Galladay a wide receiver, too. After an okay uh, 4 of 5, 158 yard and a touchdown day, and Marvin Jones is a decent flex play against a bad secondary after only 3 of 6, 40 yards and a touchdown. 
Minnesota's corners are very generous, more so than Chicago's even. Uh, TJ Hawkinson was targeted 11 times before going down with a leg injury, and he is now done for the season. So those type of routes may end up in uh, Andola's hands, also free up some targets for Marvin Jones. Bo-, Bo Scarborough has taken control of this backfield, uh, and as much as that's exciting to you, 21 carries, 83 yards, um, to just five combined carries for the other two backs. Johnson and McKissick only saw three targets apiece. Uh, Bo is really the only option here, and he's just a running back three versus Minnesota. Right. I, I would compare Scarborough to uh, perhaps Carlos Hyde. Um, he's going to get some you know, 80 to 100-yard days, but he's really going to need a touchdown uh, to be worth starting in fantasy because he just doesn't really catch passes. Um, FYI, uh, if you're wondering, I believe it is David Blau, uh, but I certainly won't stop you if you want to keep saying blow. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it, well, I mean, we'll, we'll see how he does, right? I, I guess if he, if he's very good, then, uh, we'll, we'll retire that moniker for sure. Um, blah, blah. uh, yeah, well, I forgot what I was talking about. David Blau, Blau, um, blah. yeah, I would not start him in one quarterback formats here blah. against Minnesota. <laughs> That uh, sounds like the noise you would make when uh, when CJ Ham or a fullback scores a touchdown. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's you're exactly right, James Devlin. All right, um, but certainly uh, w- wouldn't start Blau in one quarterback formats, but he was effective enough uh, to at least keep Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones viable in fantasy against the Bears. However, uh, for those chasing the points, I will remind you all that Galladay had three catches for 83 yards outside of that wide-open 75-yard touchdown on which Prince Mukamura just whiffed in coverage. And I also would not chase points with Marvin Jones, where the touchdown really saved his fantasy day, but just three catches for 40 yards if he hadn't scored. Uh, I've got Galladay as a mid-range wide receiver three, and Marvin Jones as a low-end flex. I'm still not super sold on either one of these guys. As for Amendola, it is true that Hawkinson going on injured reserve could open more targets for him, but still a low floor PPR wide receiver five for right now. Um, He does have high upside, though, if the target volume shifts to him with Hawkinson gone. Hopefully you have better wide receivers uh, than Amendola if you've made it to the fantasy playoffs, though, unless you're in some super deep leagues here. Uh, Tonight is a big game versus Seattle for Miami. That's going to be tough to win without uh, without Thielen. Really annoying how they scratched him. I think it was this more. It was like after any sort of time where you could have prepared getting him out of your lineup. I don't remember when it was exactly, it was, and um, I don't own him anywhere. But I remember it was. I was like, wow, that that that's really a crappy move. It's uh, it was after the noon game, so you basically had to have somebody in the in the afternoon or or Sunday night game to put in for him. That, that's what it was. I was like, geez, that's unduly late. Um, whatever. I like uh, Cousins versus Detroit uh, with or without Thielen as a back-end quarterback one or upside quarterback two with uh, Detroit's bad secondary, especially if Blau connects on a few deep shots with Galladay or Jones to make Minnesota have to keep their foot on the gas this game. Cook is possibly the RB1 for me this week uh, if it wasn't for that husky Christian McCaffrey guy. And I'd certainly start both Diggs and Thielen uh, if he can come back. Rudolph could take a big step back if Thielen returns, or he would take a big step back if Thielen returns, I think. Um, but but we'll see. Right, and and the good news is that at least this week we'll know earlier for Thielen. Um, we won't be put in that 
tough mm. spot uh, if you did have him this past week. And Maybe. Uh, yeah, and really, I, I don't know that, you know, Cousins is that, uh, you know, risky even without him. He's playing well tonight. But certainly he doesn't have any touchdowns just yet in the first half, so we'll see. Thielen, if he plays, I think, would be a wide receiver too. A high-end wide receiver too if he's 100% healthy. And then Diggs, a high-end wide receiver three. And if he's out, I would bump Diggs back up to that mid-range wide receiver two area. And with Rudolph, I've got him as a backhand tight end one if Thielen remains out. Over the last five games, Rudolph has been Cousins' favorite red zone target. He scored five touchdowns in five games, making him the number two fantasy tight end over that span behind only Travis Kelsey. But if Thielen is back, that would drop Rudolph's floor and ceiling quite a bit, uh, given the target share changing, and then I would move him down to just a mid-range tight end too. And of course, as you said, uh, Cook always a top three running back, given how involved he is both on the ground and as a receiver. I'm going to take the Vikings at home, and my gut feeling is going to be that they rest Thielen one more week at least, given that they should be able to win against the Lions with Cook just running down their throat. Hmm. That's another good point. Uh, Christmas could be in store early for uh, Rudolph the, the Red Zone Ranger, right? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm going to take uh, Minnesota at home as well. San Francisco at New Orleans. San Francisco lost in the final seconds to the Ravens with a few running back injuries, leaving Raheem Mostert to lead the backfield. 19 carries, 146 yards, and a touchdown with two catches. The pass catchers were held pretty well on check with Sanders compiling just 4 of 6, 41 yards. Diabo Samuel going just 2 of 4, 41 yards, and the touchdown saving his day. <coughs> Pardon? And George Kittle just 2 of 4, 17 yards. He was pretty nullified by the Ravens' defense. Uh, Burrito was ruled out prior to game time, leaving most of the play, and he'll likely to be a running back to New Orleans. New Orleans' secondary isn't quite as stout, so I'd be back on Sanders as an outside wide receiver three. And Kittle should be great here. I actually uh, did bench Kittle in two leagues for Tyler Higby in must-win games. Uh, worked out wow. okay. Um, certainly a risk-reward move, but uh, you know you gotta gotta do what you gotta do. Uh, that yes, said, sir. I'd go right back to Kittle here. He was used a lot as a blocker against Baltimore, both in the run game and in protecting Garoppolo, and that helped Mostert to a career day. Um, you're starting Kittle versus New Orleans, even in a touch, tough matchup, and the dome conditions are going to be much better than the rain was against the Ravens here. I like both Samuel and Sanders as high and wide receiver threes, uh, but really, who knows about the running backs? Mostert got 42 snaps against Baltimore compared to Coleman's 10, but now Matt <laughs> Breda's expected back healthy this week, so it's a confusing backfield to project here. As of right now, you would think that Shanahan has seen Mostert excelling and you would give him a fairly large role, but who knows? Um, I've got him as a mid-range RB3 in fantasy, the best play of the San Francisco running backs, but both Coleman and uh, Breda are not that far behind as low on flex plays. Really, it's going to come down to who gets the touchdown and who knows. Yeah, turning into uh, Patriots West out there in San Francisco. Yeah, um, or even or even like, uh, you know, Detroit, Washington, all these teams who have three viable running backs. Um, it's just, it's kind of like uh, the pass catcher is going to be the most reliable in PPR, and then whoever gets the touchdown is probably going to have the best day regardless. Yep, but they're actually winning games and producing at least somewhat. Uh, the Saints on the other side got that nice Thanksgiving win and are rewarded 
with that tough San Francisco matchup. Uh, the team shows that they can make wins happen either way. And while I'm seeing a down day for Drew Brees as an upside quarterback, too, I also see the potential there of him throwing four touchdowns. Uh, I'm not banking on it, though. If you have another high floor upside, I would certainly consider going that route. Uh, Brees has a storied history of slowing down in the fantasy playoffs, leaving leaving tons of fantasy players very angry at him at the end of every single fantasy season. Uh, Kamara's a must-start running back one. Same with Michael Thomas. Kamara hasn't been putting up the numbers that people love, but he'll, he's been keeping pace. He hasn't really been as bad as everybody's given him crap about. Taysom Hill actually led this team with two touchdowns, one receiving and one rushing. But I don't think I'm going to slot him in a quarterback just yet. Uh, Jared Cook led the team with 85 yards and just three catches, six targets. He's a dice toss, but, you know, he's at worst a back-end, tight-end one. No, I've uh, I've been holding on to Taysom Hill in a super flex dynasty league, uh, but I haven't had the guts to start him just yet, so you're really hoping for a touchdown. <laughs> um, I'm going to disagree on Jared Cook, though. I've got him as a mid-range tight end, too, this week. Uh, the Niners are giving up the fewest fantasy points to opposing tight ends this season. And while Cook's targets have increased, giving him a decent floor in PPR, I just wouldn't expect a ton of production here. Um, and then at quarterback, Lamar Jackson was able to handle the Niners' pass rush, but this is 40-year-old Drew Brees we're talking about, nowhere near as mobile, uh, nowhere near as elusive. And then with the Saints starting left tackle and left guard uh, probably out for this game, again, Teron Armstead uh, has that high ankle sprain, and then their guard, Andreas Pete, uh, has that broken arm. So I would expect uh, uh, Drew Brees to uh, have a lot of meetings with um, Nick Bosa and company here. I would downgrade uh, Breeze to just a high-end QB2 as well. And um, just a quick would-you-rather, Los, if you own Drew Breeze and Ryan Tannehill, who'd you start this week? Oh, gosh. Tanny has who? Um, Oakland. Oakland. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I think I would go Tannehill. Yeah, mm-hmm. Tannehill. I, I tend to agree. Um Really, I mean, this goes back to what we saw the Niners do, even to but Aaron Rodgers. But that's a close one. I thought you were going to build up to something, but but you you hit that spot. <laughs> right, and, and I think that that is a tough call, right? Because, again, these kind of decisions in the fantasy playoffs especially come down to um, are you favored or are you an underdog, right? Do you need the big game or do you need Breeze to give you at least 10 points? Um, yep. Again, just a lot of decision-making. All these rankings are fluid. Uh, They're very dependent on your team and your league scoring um, and your matchups even. But, uh, again, my rationale for dropping Breeze in my rankings so far is really we saw what the Niners were able to do to Aaron Rodgers two weeks ago, and he's way more mobile than Breeze at this point. So I just don't see a ton of upside here. Uh, Just, I mean, Kamara and Thomas are going to be fine. You're starting those guys. And then really, I guess with the offensive line injuries, that that's kind of the straw on the camel's back. It's it's hard to bet against the Saints ever in the Superdome, but I'm doing it. Uh, these offensive line injuries are, are I think, just going to be too much to overcome with the Niners' strength being their defensive line. I'm going to take the Niners on the road. Everything you're saying makes a ton of sense. The Niners are hot despite their loss. They could have come out with the victory just as easily this week, but I am going to <clears throat> bet on Sean Payton and the uh, and the Saints at home. Miami at yeah, the New York Jets. The Dolphins got the win versus the Eagles behind 360 yards and three touchdowns with an interception for Ryan Fitzpatrick. And he remains a gutsy stream here if you can handle the sacks and ugly throws. This is a beatable team yet again. Devontae Parker had a big 7 of 10, uh, 7 catches, 10 targets, 
159 yards and two touchdowns on the day. While Mike Kosicki went five of seven, 79s in the in the touchdown. Both are very solidly in play here. Parker's a wide receiver too, with big upside as long as uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick has the job. The running backs were awful again, uh, with Kalen Balaj done for the year. Uh, managed, I think, zero yards on his three carries. Patrick Laird he actually looked pretty good comparatively. Ten carries, five yards, and a touchdown plus four catches for 43 yards. So I guess his stat line at the end of the day looked all right. He didn't necessarily look so hot. Uh, he's got flex upside, but I'm not going to bet my playoffs on it. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, Laird was hyped uh, on a lot of DFS circuits, but uh, didn't really come to fruition. But now with Kalen Balaj and IR, um, certainly uh, he has the opportunity here. Um but, uh, you know, it's, it's tough to run on the Jets. Uh, I've got Laird as a PPR flex if he stays involved as, as a receiver, but I would bet against another rushing touchdown here. And then uh, I'm going to be honest, I've got Devontae Parker as a high-end wide receiver too, maybe even a low-end wide receiver one if Julio and Thielen end up being ruled out. Uh, Parker's just been on a tear. He's been an absolute target monster since Preston Williams went down. I expect another double-digit target day for him against a weak Jets secondary that's given up the six most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers here. Um, and then Gusecki's targets have increased as well, as Super Producer Dan mentioned on the show a few weeks ago, um, with Williams out, and I've got him as a high-end tight end too here. The Jets gave the Bengals their first win, which may have been part of the uh, Jets tanking conspiracy. I, I just refuse to believe that they're actually that bad to lose 22-6 to to Cincinnati, but... Hey, maybe they are. Darnold did absolutely nothing against that bad defense, about 250 yards, no scores, with most of that going to Robbie Anderson, 7 of 10, 101 yards, and Jamison Crowder had just two catches on nine targets, only eight yards, uh, but the targets were there. Ryan Griffin gave a solid floor, five catches on seven targets, 30 yards. Lev Bell was the biggest disappointment, just 10 carries, 32 yards which included like a 15-yard rush, so he was really bad. Uh, and four catches in what should have been his bust-out matchup. Bell is a, is a middling to high-end running back, too, against Miami, but the secondary matchup is really not bad here, leaving Anderson a very viable flex play here. Uh, Griffin's a back-end tight end one. I I wouldn't want to roll out Jamison Crowder after seeing how he's been lately, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if he leads the team in PPR points again this week. Yeah, you know, I, I don't believe in the tanking conspiracy. I just believe in uh, just abysmal idiocracy from, or idiocy uh, from Adam Gase. We've, we've seen that all too much. Uh, I have no idea how Le'Veon Bell only had 32 rushing yards against this Bengals run defense. Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if it's it's his inefficiency, uh, Gase's, uh, you know, just bad play calling or, you know, a bit of both here. Um, but this loss, I mean, we talked about it at the start of the, in the preseason, you take a, a patient runner. Cause that's what he is with a bad line. You're going to get stuffed. Yeah. And maybe it's as simple as that because the loss of Cincinnati is pretty much all on the inefficiency of the run game against a team yep. that's bottom in the league in run defense. Uh, yep. I, I still like all the Jets for fantasy though for, against Miami. Um, that's why that's why <laughs> fantasy and real life have such a disconnect sometimes. Um, you know, I've got Darnold as a high end QB two, Bell a low end running back one, uh, Anderson a high end wide receiver three, Crowder a mid range flex, Griffin a low end tight end one. Uh, this is a game that 
it's a toss-up for me, but I'm going to go with momentum here. Uh, I'm going to take Fitzmagic in New York. I'm going to take Fitzpatrick as well. Um, he's looked good. What can I tell you? That can all go to pieces at any moment, but uh, I don't think it will after what we just saw with Cincinnati. All right, here's here's a question. Breeze or, uh, or Darnold? Hmm. Yeah, right. I think I think this comes down to what we talked about being matchup specific. If, if I'm a favorite, I'll probably go with Breeze uh, just so that, you know, just in case. Well, I don't see I I'm really I really think that the Niners are going to pressure Breeze all day with their defensive line. So I don't even know that Breeze has a safe floor this week. Um Yeah. I I think I'm well, you know me. You you know me pretty well, though. So I've never been uh-huh. a, a start your studs kind of guy. I take risks. That's why know. I've asked. Um, you know, I, I benched Kittle uh, this past week. Um, yeah, I, I guess give me Darnold. And I go Breeze here just because oh Darnold can just be putrid when he needs to be. I, but I but I definitely see the. I mean, it's the matchups. That's it's completely the matchups. Right, and and. Part of it, too, is like I said, I think missing the whole left side of the offensive line is just such a blow to the the Saints. You know, Breeze is not at all mobile. We've seen Atlanta get after him in that upset a few weeks ago. Um, You know, Aaron Rodgers scored less than 10 fantasy points. So (laughs) that's I think that's I think eight or nine points is Breeze's floor, right? A a couple fumbles. maybe. I I think so. Yeah. But uh, I, I wouldn't Scary. fault anyone for going Breeze over Darnold, though. But I think I would personally go Darnold. It's the wrong week for all this stuff to happen. All right. Indy at Tampa Bay. Indy was picked apart with three turnovers to the Tennessee defense in their loss at home. The Tampa Bay defense gives a much easier matchup through the air with Hilton probably out again. Zach Pascal is an upside wide receiver three play after seven of 10, 109 yards versus Tennessee. And Jack Doyle was great with Ebron done for the season. Six of 11, 73 yards and a touchdown. An upside tight end one for me. Uh, the running back situation was shaken up with the improved health of Jordan Wilkins, and the team showed us who their number two is, I think, uh, rewarding Jonathan Williams's two big games with a decreased workload to the tune of just eight carries, 14 yards and one catch, compared to Jordan Wilkins's 11 carries, 47 yards with two catches, and Naeem Hines's four carries, 22 yards and a goal line touchdown for Naeem Hines. I don't get that. With two added catches. It's a total mess. And Tampa is a horrible running back matchup, so I would avoid all of them at all costs here. Hines is probably the best bet, but none are better than a deep running back three or four, running back four maybe. And that may be all out the window if Marlon Mack is back this week. Um, He uh, injured his hand. If he can carry the football, I imagine they'd put him out there. But I don't know. As a Mac owner, I I sort of would rather they just rest him another week and and get him back out there next week for me. Yeah, I think... The likely scenario is he's going to need at least another week of rehab on that hand, uh, and even if so, I wouldn't start him against Tampa Bay. As you said, a terrible rushing matchup, and Mac doesn't really catch passes. Um, I would echo your sentiments, though, as Hines as the most, uh, you know, the best play here. Um, probably a low-end flex in PPR. I really don't love anybody here. Uh, the Buccaneers secondary has been struggling, but their pass rush is making up for it a little bit. And the Colts don't really have anyone who can take advantage of Tampa Bay's secondary. Hilton's out. Uh, Chester Rogers is probably out. Paris Campbell might be back, but he may not. Um, as you said, I do think that Zach Pascal is probably the best play here. I've got him as a boomer bust flex. 
Um, maybe Marcus Johnson as a wide receiver five with some upside. I've kept my eye on Johnson in some very deep dynasty leagues, but I'd, I wouldn't have the guts to start him in the first week of the fantasy <laughs> playoffs. I'll tell you that. Um, I do love Jack Doyle though. Uh, I've got him as a mid to back end tight end one, given that huge target share he's now getting with Eric Ebron out. Um, but really I, I think it's just Doyle as the best play and then maybe Pascal. Tampa Bay pulled off that nice Florida win 28 to 11 versus the Jaguars with a very rare zero touchdown and zero interception day for Jameis Winston. Uh, he's definitely in play here versus an Indy versus Indy as an upside quarterback to stream. Uh, Mike Evans was held to four of 11, 53 yards. Only Godwin was held to four of six, only 50 yards for him. Well, Brashad Perriman reeled in five catches on six targets for 87 yards, and O.J. Howard converted five of six for 61 yards. Uh, stick with Evans and Godwin. Don't get cute here. The running back situation, though, is as messy as ever, um, with Peyton Barber going 17 carries, 44 yards, and two touchdowns. Ronald Jones logging just six carries for eight yards, and Daria Gunbawale back in on the fun with one carry and two catches. This is certainly not the ideal time for Bruce Arians to be messing with all of us. Just avoid this backfield at all costs. Right. Unfortunately, Ronald Jones missed a blitz pickup, uh, which led to him not seeing much action in that game. Uh, per, Bruce Arian, per Bruce Arians after that game, uh, quote, uh, that's it. You don't get to play anymore uh, if you miss a blitz pickup. <laughs> so um, I suppose Peyton Barber is the the safest play here of the Buccaneers running backs. He does get the goal line touches, but even so, he's just a touchdown dependent RB4. Uh, I would not expect another two touchdown day, but who knows? Um, and then, as you said, uh, don't get too cute here. Uh, I'm not a start your studs kind of guy, but both Evans and Godwin are boomer bust wide receiver twos with big upside against the Colts here despite some down weeks. I would ignore Brashad Stonehands Perriman, despite the fluky big game against the Jaguars. Uh, really, A.J. Boye was all over Mike Evans, which uh, made Jameis uh, go towards Perriman here. I guess O.J. Howard uh, I've got as a back-end tight end, too, with a little bit upside, but as you said, just hard to trust anybody outside of Evans and Godwin's on ta- excuse me, Godwin on Tampa Bay. Um, I suppose Winston is a mid-range QB2 with some upside here, but I think I've made it clear by now that I'm team hashtag never Jameis, so um, <laughs> I, I won't be doing that in any leagues. Uh, you just never know when that four-interception day is going to crop up for him. This has been a pretty crazy season. Uh, the Colts went from a legit AFC contender without Andrew Luck after beating Kansas City on the road, and now they're the underdog to Tampa Bay, and for good reason. I think Brissett's going to struggle here with no Hilton against this pass rush, so I'm going to take the Bucks at home. I see this a uh, very similar way. I'm going to take the Buccaneers as well. Uh, Denver at Houston. Denver beat the Chargers in the dying seconds on a field goal set up by a big pass interference penalty for Cortland Sutton. Uh, Drew Locke was not awful in his first start, and the offense has some hope this week in Houston. Phil Lindsay led the backfield split 20 touches to just nine for Freeman. Lindsay's still a running back three, and Freeman cannot be started with just 30% of the workload. Cortland Sutton has been through three quarterbacks this year so far, and he has produced with each and every one of them. This week, going four of five, 74 yards, and two touchdowns with great catches all over the field. Uh, the best one was a diving forward guy draped all over him, one-hand grab, touchdown, pins the, pins the ball against his neck. 
just an amazing player. This guy is is really something. Uh, while Noah Fant caught just one catch, three targets, five yards. Sutton's a wide receiver three with upside against Houston, and I'm not going to touch any of the receivers until we get a better grasp on how uh, what Tyler uh, Drew Locke's tendencies are going to be. Yep, and uh, just a quick game break here. Rashad Penny with that one-yard touchdown run after Chris Carson got it down to inside the 10-yard line. Um, certainly poor luck for Chris Carson owners, but as someone playing against Carson, uh, I am pretty happy about that Penny touchdown. It's uh, <laughs> on the on the Denver, though, it's basically Sutton and Lindsey for now. Uh, Jeff Hireman actually out-targeted Noah Fant after Fant seemingly ran the wrong route on, on a play, so... Who knows? Uh, it's hard to trust him right now. As you said, uh, we have to see how Drew Locke's target share is going to shake out to these receivers. So let's move on to Houston. The Texans took it to the Patriots early and held on tight for that 28-22 to win. Deshaun Watson contributed on four touchdowns and remains a quarterback one. DeAndre Hopkins had just five of eight, 64 yards receiving, but added that option flip passing touchdown to Watson. Pretty crazy looking play. Uh, he's a wide receiver, too, with that Hopkins upside, despite Chris Harris coverage. Stills and Fuller are biting into each other's value a bit too much for me this week. And the running backs are splitting carries evenly with Duke getting a few more passing targets than usual leading to his production. Neither is a great option, honestly, but Duke definitely gets the nod over Hyde as a low-level running back three. He had that big week with five catches and receiving touchdown, but we've seen how exceedingly rare that is. He's been basically unstartable to this point. Mm, I don't know. I think I still prefer Hyde over Duke here. Um, this is a game <laughs> where I expect the Texans to play with a lead. Um, and Hyde's still getting a lot of carries, uh, some goal line work here. Just, uh, I would think just more carries and fewer, uh, need, or excuse me, a less of a need to pass to Duke Johnson in this one. Um, I, I do like Fuller as a boomer bust flex behind Hopkins. Uh, he nearly had that long touchdown before Stills did. Uh, if Fuller could only have held on. Um, I'm going to take the Texans at home. Oh, give me the Texans at home. 405 Eastern game, 305 Central, LA Chargers at Jacksonville. The Chargers lost in Charger fashion, uh, giving up a questionable questionable PI call to set up that game-winning Denver field goal. The offense held together fine versus Denver, uh, uh, though. 20, uh, 20 carries, 99 yards rushing for Melvin Gordon with two receptions and nine carries for Eckler, who added 51 yards and a touchdown on four receptions. Keenan Allen found a bit of rhythm, six catches, six targets, 68 yards and a touchdown, while Mike Williams added five of seven, 117 yards, coming down on a big downfield pass for 52 yards. That was a pretty play for him. Uh, meanwhile, Hunter Henry disappointed, just two catches. Three targets, 10 yards. I, I don't really think anything changes here. Gordon's a running back one. Eckler's a PPR running back two. Allen's a wide receiver two. And Mike Williams has flex upside again here. Uh, he's going to score a touchdown sooner or later. I'm not necessarily calling it this week, but it's bound to happen. He continues to be near the top of the league in air yards. No, I don't think so. Um, Phillip Rivers is terrible, and that's the reason I don't trust Mike Williams in fantasy. It seems like all those big downfield targets are just desperation heaves by Rivers. Um, he doesn't actually look for Williams much in the red zone when he should. Um, I, I don't know. Just I, I think Williams would be a legitimately a legitimate wide receiver two, wide receiver three in fantasy uh, with a competent quarterback. Uh, he could basically be like what Kenny Galladay is, right? But uh, Either way, I think Rivers is on his way out, so 
Uh, Williams should be a target in the offseason for Dynasty Leagues, and I do like him in 2020 drafts, depending on what the Chargers do uh, at the quarterback position this offseason. I don't see there's any way Jacksonville matches up with him this week, honestly. I mean, Rivers just has to make those heaves. Yeah, uh, the question is, will he or will he throw three interceptions? Um, Who knows? He could do both. The interceptions would lead him to having to take more heaves. Uh, yeah, uh, you're not wrong. But uh, certainly does, doesn't make you feel good if you're watching the game and relying on those No, guys. definitely not. It is it is exciting, though. Um, yeah, I, I do like I do like me a lot of jo- or not Josh Gordon, Melvin Gordon here as a uh, mm-hmm. mid-range RB1. I like him a lot against the Jackson run defense. That's just awful right now. So, um, yeah, that's all I got to add. All right, the Jags managed just 11 points against the Buccaneers. I'll take the small victory lap on uh, Foles' quick benching. Gardner Minshew helped the team get back on track, but it was definitely too little too late this game. If he keeps the start for next week, I think Chark's going to see some tough coverage, um, but he should still be a wide receiver three. Minshew targets him very often. Indeed, he isn't playing the flex. Uh, he should shake free a little bit with uh, Chark probably seeing that tougher coverage. Fournette was expectedly limited to 14 carries, just 38 yards rushing against that tough Tampa defense, but added nine catches for 53 yards. He remains a running back one. So just a quick game break here. Um, hopefully you've got Alexander Madison because Dalvin Cook apparently got hurt on that fumble. Uh, not sure exactly what it is, but he's still down on the ground. Uh, oh no! Does not look great. So. Oh, that's too bad. And uh, Diggs is down on the ground too. Uh, but Diggs looks okay. Madison or Cook does not look good at all. Um, I don't know if that was non-contact. We were worried about this. Too. That sort of thing kept his uh, value down heading into this preseason, um, or heading into this season. He, he's done really great. That's that's really too bad. He's one of my favorite backs in the game right now. Yeah, I mean, hopefully it's nothing, but just doesn't look great right now. Um, back to Jacksonville here. Fournette, uh, he's gotten crazy PPR volume as a receiver. That gives him a safe floor and high upside as an RB1. And then even with Gardner Minshew back, defenses are really keying in on stopping Shark now. So I've got him downgraded to a high and wide receiver three. And I like both Conley and Westbrook as boomer bust wide receiver fours here. I would fade Minshew, though. Um, with the Chargers secondary very healthy now um, as just a back-end QB2. Would not expect a ton of Minshew magic here. And then as for the pick, man, uh, the Chargers are the most infuriating team to watch. Uh, Hopefully you're not a fan of them, but uh, they just seem to win games they're supposed to lose and lose games that they're supposed to win. But somehow I think they're going to pull it off here. Give Give me LA on the road. See, and I think Minshew does pull out his uh, magic cat and wand, and we see a little uh, see a little treat for uh, for the Jacksonville fans. Four twenty-five Eastern games: Tennessee at Oakland. Tennessee scored the nice win versus Indy, behind just one hundred and eighty yards and two touchdowns for Ryan Tannehill. His scores were on the one catch for thirteen yards to Adam Humphreys, and one catch for forty-one yards to wide receiver Khalif Raymond. Yeah, you're not going to hear his name again. Corey Davis had another one-catch game while A.J. Brown was just 3 of 4, 45 yards. You can't trust these pass catchers, darn it. Derrick Henry was the big man again on the day, rushing for 149 yards and a touchdown on 26 carries with three catches. I guess I'll call him a back-end running back one. I'm certainly not benching him at this point regardless, but I'm uh, not sticking my neck out for this pass catchers despite uh, the decent matchup in Oakland. 
Yeah, the Raiders have allowed a ton of big plays this year. Uh, they're giving up fantasy points to pretty much every position. Um, I like Tannehill a lot as a high-end QB, too. As we talked about a little bit earlier, I would start him over guys like Drew Brees. Um, I've yep. got Derrick Henry as a mid-range RB1, and I would give a greater than 50% chance of A.J. Brown finding the end zone here on a big play. So I've got him as a low-end flex with upside. Corey Davis, mm, just a wide receiver five in fantasy until we see more. Maybe he'll have a Devontae Parker year at some point, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be this year. And then finally, even though Delaney Walker is now on IR, there hasn't been much consistent target volume for Janu Smith or Anthony Ferkser. Uh, neither is going to be a reliable start in fantasy at tight end, despite Walker being done for the year. As for the Oakland Raiders, they got steamrolled by Kansas City, but the main players held some value. 17 carries for 107 yards on the ground for Josh Jacobs. Certainly like to see some more passing work, but I think they keep it close enough to Tennessee that Jacobs stays on the field for a few passing downs here. I would not start Derek Carr here, though. Uh, Darren Waller led the team 7 of 900 yards receiving, while Tyrell Williams caught one ball. It's just Waller and Jacobs from here on out. Yep, and then just uh, another quick update here. It does seem like Dalvin Cook was able to walk to the locker room under his own power, uh, so hopefully maybe some good news. We'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, in, on Oakland here, uh, Jacobs, he's a boomer bust RB2, and Waller's a mid-range tight end one based on his target volume. Just not a whole lot else right now. Um, it's a little bit sad that Tyron Matthew was talking post-game that they could tell which formations uh, Oakland had set up, um, the ones where Carr might take a deep shot, uh, but otherwise they knew that Carr was, quote, pretty much the kind of quarterback to check it down a lot. So we'll see what uh, the Raiders decide to do at quarterback also this offseason, whether via free agency or the draft. And interestingly enough, if Tannehill plays well in this game, maybe it's an impromptu audition for John Gruden to uh, take a look at him, maybe give him an offer in a couple months. The Titans are rolling here, and the Raiders are floundering. Give me the Titans. I agree. They've got the uh, they've got the momentum. I'll take Tennessee, Kansas City at New England. The Chiefs the Chiefs stomped the Raiders forty to nine, despite some pretty meager yardage totals. Just one hundred seventy yards for Mahomes, one passing touchdown, which was caught by Daryl Williams, who left the game with a non contact knee injury. The yardage mostly went to Travis Kelsey, five of nine ninety yards, and Tyree Kill, five of eight fifty five yards. With the Williams injury and Damian Williams inactive this week, the backfield ended up being led by Darwin Thompson's 11 carries, 44 yards, and a touchdown in garbage time, while LaShawn McCoy only carried the ball five times for 10 yards and a touchdown. This is a tough matchup for your playoffs. I, I certainly can't say to sit Mahomes, Kelsey, or Hill despite the matchup, but you might need some high-variance plays at flex or wide receiver two or three to make up for what might be a limited day at wide receiver and tight end for you with those guys. Uh, I'm not going to lean on any running back here. We don't know if Damian Williams is going to be back from rib injury. McCoy's been limited by coaching and age, and we don't know how many touches Darwin is going to cap out with Darrell Williams out with knee injury. A lot of questions for a team that had a lot of potential this season. Yeah, and really we've officially come full circle on the Darwin Thompson hype from the preseason, uh, if you remember that. Um, mm -hmm. Of course, uh, the, the LaShawn McCoy trade shut that down pretty quickly. <laughs> and I'm going to say, as somebody who won multiple championships last year, um, on a couple of them I had Damian Williams in the lineup that I picked up off waivers. I think Darwin Thompson is the priority waiver ad this week, 
uh, just on the off chance that he could be a fantasy running back one down the stretch. Um, it's by no means a sure thing. It's a long shot, but both LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams have been banged up this year, and both of those running backs have had fumbling issues. So, you know, with Daryl Williams sounding like he's going to be out multiple weeks with that knee injury, we're still not sure what exactly happened, but didn't look good. Uh, non-contact, certainly never good. Um, he might even go on IR. So there's a non-zero chance here that Darwin Thompson's going to get a shot at the starting job. And it very well could be this week if Damian Williams still can't go with that rib injury. So we'll see. Uh, Damian Williams, definitely a name to monitor um, this week uh, with the practice participation. If Damian is out, though, I would elevate Thompson to a high-end RB3 in PPR, McCoy a running back four. Um, if there's a team that can beat New England's lockdown man coverage, it's going to be Kansas City. They've got speed at every position here. I think Reed would likely find ways to get Thompson matched up on New England's linebackers, much like Houston did with Duke Johnson. Um, and I certainly wouldn't get cute. Uh, you're not benching Mahomes, Hill, or Kelsey unless you have some crazy, insanely good depth at those positions. These are guys whose floors are a lot uh, a lot higher than your average player, maybe a little bit lower this week, depending on how the Patriots decide to cover them, but the ceilings are still going to be sky high regardless. And finally, Mikkel Hardman's worth a look as well as a boomer bust wide receiver four. We saw Kenny Stills get that long touchdown due to everybody being single covered on a blitz. Uh, and then the, the safety was shading over towards DeAndre Hopkins drawing coverage. So Hardman has similar potential uh, if the safeties do indeed shade over towards Tyreek Hill in this game. Well, the Patriots. There was a nice day for Tom Brady, 325 yards, three touchdowns in plenty of garbage time versus Houston. Uh, most of it went to James White and Julian Edelman. It's a fine matchup at home. I think Brady's a back-end quarterback one or upside two here. Edelman should be a solid wide receiver two with upside. White is probably a solid running back two with upside, but we've seen him disappear frequently. Belichick changes things up with these running backs. Could be a Brandon Bolden game. Christ's sake. Uh, I think Sony Michelle is a big part of this recipe, though, to run on Kansas City, who cannot stop running backs. Uh, Michelle's a flex play with risk. Um, it's, it's a tough, tough go with this New England team right now. Yeah, and I do think we're going to see a heavy dose of Sony Michelle here. I've got him even higher than you. Uh, I've got him as a mid-range RB2. Um, he could get mm. a, a lot of work against, you know, I mean, sure. against a Kansas City uh, team who's really the only weakness is that run defense. We saw Josh Jacobs, uh, you know, get some big runs in before they started getting blowing out. Excuse me, before they started getting blown out. Um, and Michelle very well could hear. Uh, we saw him do just that in the AFC Championship game, and I would think that Belichick would want to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field as much as possible here. Um, really, I've got Brady as a high-end QB2, um, Michelle as that mid-range RB2, uh, James White uh, just behind him, uh, Elman a high-end wide receiver 2, Sanu a flex, and Dorsett a boomer bust wide receiver 4. And finally, none of the tight ends have gotten consistent enough targets to be worth starting in fantasy. But if you had to pick one, I would probably go with Ben Watson over Matt Lacoste. It's, uh, you know, this is one of those days where I'm going to be turning off red zone in the afternoon uh, to focus on watching this game. Uh, should be another great one be between these two great teams. And even though it pains me to say this, uh, this is the first time all year I think I'm going to pick against New England. Uh, I do think Kansas City is going to steal a win in Foxborough this time around. Uh, no Gronk to make a heroic last-second grab, and 
I think they just have enough talent at all the skill positions to beat that man coverage. Yeah, I'm going to lean New England here, but I, I just got to thinking this is sort of a must win for Kansas City right now in the middle of things. New, I mean, New England could lose this game and it really doesn't make a difference. It isn't their culture. That isn't what they do. Um, but I don't know. I'll still lean New England here. Yeah, well, I mean, really a must-win for both teams, though. I mean, Buffalo's just a game behind the Patriots at this point. Yeah, but that's that's not a problem. <laughs> All right, well, hopefully uh, you, hopefully you're right. We'll see. It, it should be a close one. I mean, you know, you know they don't take that seriously. Plus, Buffalo has a game they're going to lose to New England in two weeks. Mm, I think that's a 50-50 call, too. I, I don't know that... Uh... It was a very tight game the first time around, and that was with Josh Allen leaving with the concussion. That's true. That's true. Pittsburgh at Arizona. Pittsburgh secured the home win versus the Browns 20-13 to and get the nice Arizona defensive matchup now. But this offense does nothing for me. Uh, 200 yards and a touchdown and one interception for Davlin Hodges. Doesn't get me rushing to start any of these pass catchers with lines like 4-4, 111 yards and a touchdown for James Washington, who was far and away the best. Uh, just three of three, 21 yards for Vance McDonald, and no other wide receiver topped one catch here. Uh, the wide, the running backs were, as expected, Benny Snell uh, led on the ground with 16 carries, 63 yards, and a touchdown, and one catch to Jalen Samuels, seven carries, 32 yards, plus two catches only for 22 yards. Certainly would expect more from him. Uh, Snell would be a back-end running back, too, versus Arizona, but I think Connor makes it back this week. Um, but who knows how long he's going to stay healthy or what that workload split will be anyways. Vance McDonald is the tight end stream play against the league's worst tight end defense who just allowed over 100 to Tyler Higby. Yeah, I, I am expecting Connor to miss one more week, I think, here. Um, mm. So I've got Snell as a touchdown-dependent RB3. Uh, he's gotten the most carries yeah. and the red zone work with Connor out. Samuel's still involved as a receiver, but uh, with the game script here projected to be a game where Pittsburgh should lead or at least keep it close, I've got Samuels as just a desperation RB4 uh, or RB5 even in PPR. Just don't see a ton of need for a pass-happy offense uh, here. Clearly Mike Tomlin knows that uh, he needs to hide these quarterbacks as much as possible in the offense. If Juju Smith-Schuster plays here, I would have him as a low-end flex and James Washington as a high-end wide receiver four. Um, and if Juju is still out with that knee injury, I would bump Washington up to a low-end flex and Deontay Johnson a wide receiver four. And then as bad as Arizona is against the tight ends, uh, Vance McDonald is still seeding some snaps and targets to Nick Vanette here. So I still have McDonald as just a mid-range tight end two despite this golden matchup, but definitely has a shot at a touchdown here. The Cardinals only managed seven points against the Rams, and Pittsburgh has a better defense. Uh, despite just 163 yards and an interception, Maurice 28 yards rushing and rushing touchdown. Salvaged his day a bit. He's a high-end quarterback, too, at home. Uh, the running back situation is a mess for another team here. Uh, Drake is the number one. Johnson's the number two. And zero touches for Ch uh, Chase Edmonds this past week. Um, but he's going to even back healthy. Uh, Drake's the top option as the is a running back three for this team right now, but certainly nothing exciting for you against Pittsburgh. Kirk and Fitz both saw seven targets. Larry caught six of them for 56 yards for and just three for 23 for Kirk. Um, I'd hold off on Larry here and use Kirk as a wide receiver three against Pittsburgh's stingy secondary. Hmm. 
Yep. Uh, I was, uh, was dead wrong about Arizona possibly beating the Rams. Uh, just terrible pick right. by me. A little bit too much faith, I guess, in Kyler Murray, um, who I do still have as a high-end QB2 here, given his rushing potential, but this Steelers defense is very solid. I've got Kirk and Fitzgerald as just both as low-end flex plays, uh, though I do think that Kirk offers more upside here. Um, quick update, apparently the Dalvin Cook injury was to his shoulder, so hopefully uh, maybe just a stinger mm. or a sprain, something like what Julio has. Um, we'll see. I could see this Pittsburgh matchup going either way. It's going to come down to if or how many times Devlin Hodges turns the ball over, but given <laughs> their defense and that pass rush, uh, we've seen that the Arizona offensive line is really struggling right now, so I'm going to lean the Steelers. Yeah, I'll take Pittsburgh on the road. Sunday night football, Seattle at the LA Rams. Tonight, we're going to see how Pete Pete Carroll handles those additional two Carson fumbles. Didn't seem to affect him much. Uh, He's got a touchdown, plenty of yardage. Penny's getting some good yardage as well. Uh, the Rams are not a scary matchup for Wilson, Carson, or Penny if he if you want to work him in as a flex. Or Lockett, though Lockett hasn't really done much today. DK Metcalf is probably going to get the tough Jalen Ramsey matchup on the outside, so I'd avoid him here. And Josh Gordon is probably not worth rostering. Uh, Jacob Hollister has some upside here. Yeah, I'm questioning how healthy Tyler Lockett still is right now as no catches yeah. so far in the third quarter uh on just two targets. So um, maybe that shin isn't a hundred percent. And then Mm. as for the running back touches, uh, Carson is still the lead back, I guess 14 carries thus far in the third quarter uh, with a touchdown, as you said, but Penny is not too far behind with nine. So it does seem like it's going to be a confusing split going forward, which is not good for Penny or Carson owners. Really? (laughs) The Rams uh, beat up on the Cardinals 34-7 with 400-plus yards and two touchdowns for Jared Goff. Seattle's a fine opponent, but I still have him as just a quarterback, too. Robert Woods led receivers with 13 catches on 19 targets, 172 yards to 6 of 6, 65 yards, and a touchdown to Cooper Cup. Just two catches, 24 yards for Brandon Cooks. Tyler Higby had 100 yards and a touchdown against that bad Arizona pass defense, but as a tight end here, Tight end two here still not worth a start. Um, I'm actually not sure about uh, Gerald Everett's uh, status. I forgot to check into that. Um, Seattle's not a bad match for the wide receivers, though. And if really pressed and desperate, I'd consider using all three. Cups a wide receiver two. Woods is a wide receiver three with some upside. Cooks is a flex with upside. He just hasn't shown any of, uh, of that upside as of late. Probably more like a wide receiver four or five, but, you know. If you're desperate, he's he exists. Uh, Todd he Gurley exists. led running backs. <laughs> I, I feel right? like that should be like that Geico commercial with the doctor where the nurse comes in. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I've worked with him. He's okay. <laughs> that's my favorite. That's my favorite commercial on TV right now. That That's just great. Yeah, that should be uh, like Brandon Cooks walks in. He's like, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to play. I'll see you in there. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I've cleared concussion protocol. Well, not officially. <laughs> Oh man, I, I wish somebody could make a parody of that. Someone much much better with media than I am, but that would maybe, be pretty good. Maybe. I I think we know somebody. That's true. Uh, Super producer Dan, we'll see. Yeah. Yep. We'll see. Uh, Todd Gurley <laughs> led running backs, nineteen carries, ninety-five yards, and a touchdown with one catch to just six carries for Brown and just four for Henderson. I think the split stays pretty much exact here. 
keeping Gurley in the running back two conversation, getting like exactly 50% of the running back work. Right. And it's, it's just hard to trust Goff here as anything more than a mid range QB two. He's been awful outside of some cake matchups against Cincinnati and Arizona. And while Seattle isn't exactly the toughest defense around anymore, they're still going to be more challenging than those guys. Uh, I've got both woods and cup as mid range wide receiver twos. And as you said, Cooks, he's an okay uh, low-end flex option, I guess. He exists. Um, But really the problem with Cooks is that Goff isn't looking to him, especially since he usually doesn't have time to wait around uh, for those deeper routes to develop with the offensive line still hit or miss here. Um, You were talking about Gerald Everett, uh, his knee injury that kept him out against Arizona. They're saying week to week, so he is questionable for this week. Um, if he misses the game, I do like Higby, uh, who played 91% of the snaps and close, and excuse me, got close to 20% of Goff's targets against the Cardinals with Everett out. Um, it sounds like Everett could miss another game, so if so, I, I would have Higby as a high-end tight end two this week, and I've got Gurley as a decent RB two start as well, given that resurgent workload that we've been that we've been seeing from him. This should be a close one on paper, uh, but even at home in LA. Um, I'm still going to lean the Seahawks here. It's hard to bet against Russell Wilson right now. Give me the Seahawks. Monday night football, New York Giants at Philadelphia. The Giants get that spotlight on Monday night against an Eagles team who is struggling horribly in their secondary. Daniel Jones is not a dreadful stream here if you're totally desperate, despite the three interception day versus Green Bay. Saquon Barkley put together 83 yards on 19 carries, plus three catches for 32 receiving yards. Evan Ingram was out again, but if healthy, would be a tight end one here. Uh, Sterling Shepard scored the tight end uh, touchdown late with Tate out, going three of seven, 40 yards and a touchdown. And the wide receivers were led by Darius Slayton, six of nine, 44 yards. Backup tight end Caden Smith saw another six catch for 70-yard day as well. Uh, any of these are high leverage flex plays with Philadelphia. With Philadelphia, wow. <clears throat> They are all high-leverage flex plays with Philadelphia struggling so badly, allowing uh, that Dolphins win because of their their cornerbacks. Uh, If you want, you can just say Eagles. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but you know, eager Eagles. Yeah, this is this is a game that could turn into a shootout between two bad secondaries. Uh, Assuming Golden Tate is back healthy and passing concussion protocol. Um, and Ingram remains out. Uh, I would like Tate as a mid-range wide receiver three, Shepard as a low-end flex, and Slayton a boomer bust wide receiver four. Um, I do like Daniel Jones as well as a streaming option. Uh, we'll talk about him in just a few minutes on the waiver wire section. The Eagles gave an embarrassing 37-31 to 31 win to the Dolphins and are really going to need to fix their defense somehow. The Giants are not a tough pull, so one should follow up his nice 300-yard, three-touchdown, one-interception week. As a middling quarterback one, Miles Sanders saw the bulk of the running back work, 17 carries, 83 yards, and five catches for 22 and a touchdown with J.H.I. logging just two touches. If Howard remains out, Sanders is a running back two. He would fall into a running back three role if Howard returns. Elshon Jeffrey was great in his return. Nine catches, 16 targets, 137 yards in the touchdown. Clearly needing a ton of targets. Not very efficient to do that, but it was nice to see him active and healthy. Uh, regardless, he could be a wide receiver two versus the Giants. Ertz was hobbled by his hamstring and held to three of six, 24 yards, while Dallas Goddard stepped up for six of seven, 66 yards. Either are a tight end one, depending on the health of Ertz. I expect him to be a little better this week. 
probably hold away from uh, starting Goddard if Ertz is ready and good to go with Alshon stepping up and uh, Aguilar back on the field. Yeah, and my expectation with Ertz is that he will play this week. Uh, he was able to play through the Miami game with that hamstring injury, even though he wasn't great. I would expect him to not really be at practice this week, rest up, uh, but then end up being active against the Giants, uh, especially with this extra day uh, to heal up with the game being on Monday. So I, I have Ertz as a top five fantasy tight end still this week. Goddard a mid-range tight end too. And uh, I do like Jeffrey quite a bit. I've got him as a low and wide receiver too with upside. And as much as I hate to say it, uh, despite all the memes and the drop jokes, uh, Aguilar is a wide receiver four uh, with some upside here against this giant secondary. And finally, J.J. Ortega, Whiteside, got an expanded role with Jordan Matthews cut. So he's got a he's got some touchdown upside as well as a wide receiver four or five here. Um, and then finally, just an update on Jordan Howard. Uh, apparently, he's dealing with a pinched nerve in his back, not originally uh, reported as the shoulder stinger. Um, so not sure how that miscommunication or misdiagnosis happened. But uh, as such, I would think that Howard is likely going to be out again. And because of that, I, I do like Sanders as a running back, too, as well. Uh, the NFC East in general is pretty awful, but uh, Daniel Jones is fumbling so much that I got to go with the Eagles. Yeah, I'm going to take the Eagles, too, uh, which takes us into our bye week teams. There are, of course, no bye week teams. Cool. Um, <laughs> thanks for that, Los. Um, back to me, I guess. <laughs> um at the quarterback injuries, we've got Baker Mayfield with a hand injury. Uh, he's questionable but likely to play this week. Mayfield hit that throwing hand on the helmet of a Pittsburgh defender, but the x-rays came back negative. Keep an eye out just for uh, any updates just in case, but as of now, Mayfield is expected to play against Cincinnati this week. Matthew Stafford with the spine fracture. He's questionable but not likely to play this week. We really just don't know with Safford. There have been reports either way that he might go on IR, but others saying that he's pushing to return soon. But keep whatever backup quarterback you've been using in fantasy or use one of our recommended streaming options. Stafford is probably droppable in one QB formats. And then Jeff Driscoll, the backup in Detroit, the hamstring injury apparently was severe enough to put him on IR. So if you were streaming him in deeper leagues or in super flex to quarterback formats, Driscoll is droppable in all redraft formats. David Blau is the corresponding ad until Stafford returns. All right, that takes us into running backs. Damian Williams with the rib, questionable, and Daryl Williams with the knee, likely out multiple weeks, probably the fantasy season. Damian Williams' rib injury will come down to a pain management issue. As for Daryl Williams, we're not sure exactly what happened yet, but his leg twisted in a non-contact injury, which is never a good sign. Uh, he's likely out multiple weeks, weeks, could be the season. Andy Reid is supposedly limiting McCoy's workload due to his age, but at 31, McCoy should have plenty left in the tank, right? It's possible that Reid has simply lost trust in McCoy since the fumbling problems, which could be a window of opportunity for Darwin Thompson, the rookie, if Damian Williams remained out again this week. Kalen Balazs, the Achilles injury, likely out for the season. With Balazs done for the year, Patrick Laird assumes lead back duties in Miami. We'll discuss him more in just a few minutes on the waiver section, but Balazs is clearly droppable in all redraft formats. Matt Burita with the ankle sprain. Burita is expected to return this week, but his fantasy production will be iffy with San Fran using a committee backfield with Burita, Tevin Coleman, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson Jr., just about anybody else you can name. Kyle Juszczyk, James Conner, 
uh, with his shoulder sprain. Pittsburgh hopefully learned from their mistakes a few weeks ago and will not rush James Conner back again. Monitor his practice participation this week, but he's likely out again and at least unless he gets at least one or two full practices in. Uh, should not need him versus Arizona. Benny Snell Jr. and Jalen Samuels will likely lead the backfield until Connor returns. Marlon Mack with that hand fracture, questionable. Mack had surgery on his hand and likely still needs another week or more of rehab and recovery. Monitor his return to practice, though the Indy backfield could be turning into more of a committee even once he returns between himself, Jonathan Williams, Jordan Wilkins, and Naeem Hines. And Jordan Howard with the pinch nerve, questionable but not likely to play here. He was originally diagnosed with a shoulder stinger, but apparently it's a nerve issue near his spine. Until he's cleared by team doctors, Howard is likely out again this week. Yep, and at wide receiver, uh, Tyler Lockett is healthy and active tonight, um, but we're getting a couple close-up shots of him, uh, particularly with that David Moore touchdown dance, and it looks like he still has a pretty bulky brace or wrap of some kind on his shin, um, and still a zero, um, zero catches as of right now on two targets for Lockett so certainly not uh not the most endearing um we'll see if uh if he gets used more next week but he's a risky start right now wouldn't you think for week 15 uh very risky yeah so uh keep an eye on that if you've started him as I did in a couple leagues um moving Mm. on to the Viking side of tonight's game though Adam Thielen with the hamstring he's questionable Uh, He'd been out for weeks, and then he was supposed to come back tonight against the Seahawks, but then he had a quote-unquote scare during Tuesday's practice before being downgraded to out. So we're going to see how much of a setback he had on the hamstring once the Vikings practice this week, but he's truly questionable yet again for this coming week. If you were relying on him coming back, uh, it's time to look at some waiver wire options at wide receiver. Amari Cooper with the knee contusion, he is expected to play, uh, but he hurt his knee yet again. This is his second or third knee bruise or contusion this year. Uh, Dallas does plays on Thursday night on a short week against Chicago, so it's a short recovery time. Monitor Cooper's health throughout the week as his effectiveness and production could be limited, even if he plays. T.Y. Hilton with the calf strain, he's questionable but not likely to play. He played uh, against Houston, but he was ineffective and barely targeted, kind of like Tyler Lockett tonight. Clearly, Hilton returned too soon, and he's probably going to need another two to three weeks at least, as he did before um, after re-injuring the calf. So he's droppable for redraft purposes outside of deep leagues. Week 16 seems like the earliest that Hilton would be back, and you probably have better options in the fantasy championship than a not 100% Hilton. Golden Tate with a concussion, he's questionable. As always, players go through the protocol at their own pace, depending on their symptoms or lack thereof. With two weeks to heal, though, Tate should be able to return here, but it's not a given. Check on his practice participation and uh, progression through the protocol this week. Juju Smith-Schuster with the concussion and the knee injury. He's questionable. We'll see how that knee is coming along this week. Even if he's healthy, though, Juju is no more than a boomer bust flex play, given the dismal QB situation in Pittsburgh. Julio Jones with the shoulder sprain, he's questionable. Julio was held out of the Thursday night game on Thanksgiving, given the short week, so it's possible he could return this week. However, the shoulder injury could also turn into a multi-week injury, depending on the severity. Stay tuned for updates on his shoulder. As of right now, he is expected to play, though. 
Hunter Henry with the bro, or excuse me, Hunter Renfro. Sorry to scare you guys. Um, just, just so used to <laughs> just so used to saying that in our injury report. Um, Hunter Renfro with the broken rib slash punctured lung uh, is questionable but not likely to play. He's likely out for at least another week or two, but is probably droppable uh, in most redraft formats outside of deep leagues. You probably have better options at wide receiver if you've made the fantasy playoffs. Taylor Gabriel with the concussion, questionable. Uh, this is Gabriel's second concussion of the year. Uh, while questionable, it's very likely he's going to be held out for precautionary reasons, especially with the game being on Thursday night. Even if he's active, uh, he's barely a boomer bust wide receiver four. Uh, really, the only reason we care about this is because his potential absence could keep Anthony Miller afloat as a wide receiver four play. And then finally, A.J. Green still recovering from that ankle surgery in the preseason. He's probably out again this week. Uh, his ankle's still been swelling up when he returns to practice, which isn't a good sign. He's going to need uh, a few a few full practices to return at this point. And really, would you start? Would you trust starting him in the fantasy playoffs anyway? Outside of deep leagues, he's probably not worth rostering in normal ten or twelve team formats. For the tight ends, Greg Olson was concussed this week. As always, players have to go through the protocol at their own pace, depending on their symptoms or lack thereof. Olsen has been a serviceable tight end, too, in fantasy, despite Kyle Allen's struggles. Monitor his practice participation and progression this week. Gerald Everett with the knee. With Everett sideline with the knee injury, Tyler Higby shined versus Arizona. There haven't been any details on Everett, but it sounds like this could keep him out again this week. Higby could be worth a look at uh, with all the tight end injuries right now. Austin Hooper with the MCL sprain. Hooper could be back soon, but it'll need to get some practices in this week. Atlanta could definitely use him with Julio Jones questionable as well. Uh, head coach Dan Quinn's job in danger. Evan Ingram with a foot sprain. He's yet to practice since he sprained his foot, though the Giants think he'll be back soon. His practice participation will be a better sign, uh, through, though the Giants offense has not been great in general lately. David Njoku with the wrist. Uh, he was close to returning from IR last week, but Cleveland chose to give him more time to fully heal. Monitors practice participation this week, as he could be worth the look in deeper formats with Cleveland playing Cincinnati and Arizona this week and next. Both very soft secondaries versus the tight end. TJ Hawkinson done for the year with high ankle sprain. If you've made it to the playoffs, you probably weren't relying on him anyways. Best wishes to him on a speedy recovery for 2020, but he's droppable in all redraft formats. And Delaney Walker with the ankle injury on the IR now. With Walker on IR, Johnny Smith and Anthony Ferkser are Tennessee's primary tight ends. However, with Hill not locking onto his tight ends like Mariota did, neither is a reliable play for fantasy. Against Tennessee, Ferkser had just four targets and Smith just two, combining for just five catches for 22 yards. Walker is obviously droppable in all redraft formats. Yep, and moving on to the waiver wire section here, um, starting at quarterback, we've got Ryan Tannehill, 21% owned in ESPN, 39% owned in Yahoo. Tannehill had his first down game in fantasy against the Colts since he assumed the starting role, but he should bounce back against an Oakland defense that's giving up the fifth most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks this week. Sam Darnold, 28% owned in ESPN, 58% owned in Yahoo. The Jets continue to be an enigma this year, beating good teams and getting blown out by bad ones. A home matchup against Miami uh, is good, though. Uh, they have been giving up the fourth most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. And even in the loss to Miami, Wentz scored 24 fantasy points. Daniel Jones, 35% owned in ESPN, 26% in Yahoo. Jones has been incredibly inconsistent this year with turnover issues, but he has attacked bad secondaries with success. 
He's a risk-reward QB2, but the upside is there with Golden Tate and maybe Evan Ingram both back healthy this week. All right, some trouble at running back. Uh, Darwin Thompson, 5% owned in ESPN, 5% Yahoo. Damian Williams was a league winner last fantasy playoffs after Kareem Hunt's release, and Darwin Thompson has a similar opportunity now. Damian Williams is questionable with a rib injury. Darrell Williams is likely out multiple weeks with a knee injury, and LaShawn McCoy seems to have been demoted on the depth chart. Thompson is a priority pickup. He's a viable flex play versus New England short-term if Damian Williams is out again and has running back one upside if Kansas City Kansas City hands him the reins in the backfield. Rashad Penny, 38% ESPN, 55% in Yahoo. Chris Carson has now fumbled seven times in 11 games this year. Pete Carroll's patience may be wearing thin. Penny finished the game versus Philly with 14 carries to Carson's eight as a result. But they're splitting the workload pretty well here. Uh, Rashad Penny with two touchdowns to Chris Carson, one thus far. Um, he could be worth a running back to play uh, with increased work, but is probably more of a flex this coming week. Uh, Darius Geis, 52% in ESPN, 50% in Yahoo. It's still a split backfield between Geis, Peterson, and Thompson, but Geis has clearly assumed the lead role, having taken the goal line carries versus Carolina over Peterson. More importantly, he's the best playmaker on the of the Washington running backs with big play upside despite limited touches. He's a running back three or flex going forward. Benny Snell Jr., 17% in ESPN, 34% Yahoo. With James Conner out with a shoulder injury, Snell again got the most touches in the Pittsburgh backfield, not Jalen Samuels. If Conner's out again this week, Snell is in play as a running back three option versus a susceptible Arizona run defense. Patrick Laird, 1% in ESPN, 1% in Yahoo. Laird was a hyped DFS option for some weeks, but Belage continued to be Miami's workhorse. But with Belage now done for the season, Laird is a viable flex option who is getting involved at the goal line and as a receiver. Raheem Mostert, 14% ESPN and Yahoo, and Matt Breida, 69% ESPN, 63% Yahoo. Mostert seems to have outplayed Coleman for the starting job in the San Francisco backfield, but none of the San Francisco running backs are reliable in fantasy, especially with Matt Breida expected back healthy this week. This is a backfield to avoid unless you're desperate, but both Mostert and Breida have upside in the dangerous San Francisco offense, and if you're desperate for running back to start this week. Bo Scarborough, 47%, and ESPN, 43%, and Yahoo. Scarborough got the start yet again versus Chicago. Despite the loss, he looked good as a runner with 21 carries for 83 yards. He continues to handle the bulk of the carries for Detroit, but his lack of usage as a receiver limits his PPR upside, especially versus the tough Minnesota, Tampa, and Denver run defenses in the fantasy playoffs. Scarborough is a desperation running back for touchdown upside. And then, of course, those priority handcuffs to consider rostering preemptively for the fantasy playoffs. Special highlight on Alexander Madison. Hopefully, he was owned in your leagues. Hopefully, he was owned by you in your leagues. I can almost guarantee Dalvin Cook was probably on a playoff team's roster. If he's not on, if Alexander Madison isn't on that same roster, this is your chance to take that guy out while he while he's bleeding. Um, other guys that can be in this category, of course, Tony Pollard, Latavius Murray, Gus Edwards, Malcolm Brown. But um, if Delvin Cook misses time with his shoulder, that's that's going to be a big, big blow to this team, especially with Alexander Madison getting the Detroit matchup this week. Just I mean, if, if Cook can't go, I think he's a running back one, right? Yeah, I would. I think Madison is the num- now becomes the number one waiver priority sure. and Darwin Thompson to the number two. 
All right, uh, wide receivers here. We've got Robbie Anderson, 47% owned in ESPN, 58% owned in Yahoo. He's now either scored a touchdown or reached 100 yards in his last three games. Though the Jets got upset by the Bengals, Anderson seems to have reclaimed a primary role in the offense. Against a poor Miami defense, giving up the eighth most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers, Anderson's a boomer bust wide receiver three option. James Washington, 23% owned in both ESPN and Yahoo. Washington has emerged as a big play threat and a trusted target for Devin Hodges. He's a boomer bust wide receiver four with high upside this week against a Cardinals secondary that's giving up the seventh most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers, including over 250 yards and a touchdown to the Rams wide receivers this past week. Russell Gage, 4% owned in ESPN, 11% owned in Yahoo. Gage has a 19 targets over the last two games with Julio Jones limited or out with his shoulder injury. While Julio is expected back this week, he may not be 100%. Gage should continue to be involved in the passing offense if Hooper remains out, and he's a viable wide receiver for play against this Carolina team that's basically given up. The Panthers' defense has allowed the fourth most fantasy points to opposing wide receivers this year. Randall Cobb, 42% owned in ESPN, 30% owned in Yahoo. Mari Cooper injured his knee yet again versus Buffalo for the third time this year. While Cooper's expected to play, he could be limited in effectiveness with Dallas playing Chicago on Thursday night. If that's the case, Cobb could see a higher target share yet again. Sterling Shepard, 66% owned in ESPN, 58% in Yahoo. Shepard's not getting much target volume, and his involvement could further decrease if Golden Tate returns this week and possibly Evan Ingram as well. However, it's a good matchup against this Philadelphia secondary that's top 10 in fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. And this game could turn into a shootout between two bad secondaries. Shepard's a low and flex play with upside here. Anthony Miller, 10% owned in ESPN, 14% in Yahoo. Miller has become a go-to target for Trubisky in recent weeks, averaging 11 targets over the last three weeks. With Taylor Gabriel likely out with a concussion this week, Miller's a PPR wide receiver four who should see added targets. He has upside as well if the Dallas game is high scoring on both sides. Mikkel Hardman, 17% owned in ESPN, 29% in Yahoo. The targets haven't been there for Hardman, but we've seen that he only needs one catch to be fantasy relevant given his speed. With New England sure to focus coverage on Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, Hardman could have added opportunity in this one, similar to how Kenny Skills scored, excuse me, Kenny Stills scored a long touchdown on Sunday night against New England with DeAndre Hopkins drawing double coverage. Hardman is a low floor, high ceiling wide receiver four. Chris Conley and Dede Westbrook. Conley's 18% owned in ESPN, 24% in Yahoo. And Westbrook, 61% owned in ESPN, 69% in Yahoo. The only overlap between Nick Foles and Gardner Minshew seems to be that the targets will be spread around unpredictably, with Shark now the focus of opposing defenses. Both Conley and Westbrook are boomer bust wide receiver fives who face a difficult matchup against the Chargers' now healthy secondary. Alan Lazard, 2% owned in ESPN, 5% in Yahoo. We talked about Lazard on last week's show, about how he had big upside against the Giants, and he came through with three catches for 103 yards and a touchdown. He's the number two wide receiver behind Devontae Adams, and while Green Bay is still using a wide receiver by committee approach, Lazard again has the highest floor and ceiling against the struggling Washington secondary. And then finally, Nelson Aguilar and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Aguilar, 10% owned in ESPN, 11% owned in Yahoo, 
and Arthega Whiteside 1% owned in both formats. Yes, we've all heard plenty of jokes about how Aguilar cannot catch. He's far from a safe start, but he's a wide receiver 4 with upside against this awful giant secondary in a game that could turn into a shootout. The same goes for Arcega Whiteside, who now has an expanded role on the offense with Jordan Matthews released. Both have touchdown upside here if you're desperate for help at wide receiver. Which will take us into our tight ends. Jack Doyle, 46% ESPN, 57 in Yahoo. With Ebron on the IR and T.Y. Hilton out, Doyle was Brissett's top target versus Tennessee with 11 targets, catching 6 for 73 and a touchdown. He's a back-end tight end one in PPR rest of season with Ebron out and should be a priority add. Even if you're set at tight in the playoffs, it could be worth keeping him away from your opponents. Kai Rudolph, 45% in ESPN, 57 in Yahoo. Since Thielen has been out with his hamstring injury, Rudolph has averaged five targets per game and scored five touchdowns in five games. As a primary red zone read for Cousins with Thielen out, Rudolph has been the number two fantasy tight end behind only Travis Kelsey from week seven to 11. As long as Thielen remains out, Rudolph should be owned and started as a touchdown-dependent high-end tight end, too. Ryan Griffin, 25% in ESPN, 56 in Yahoo. We've recommended Griffin for weeks now, given his usage in the Jets' offense. He, reign, he remains a high-end tight end two most weeks, given his target share from Darnold, particularly in the red zone. Tyler Higby, 1% in ESPN, 11 in Yahoo. If Gerald Everett is out again this week, Higby is a nice streaming option versus Seattle defense that's allowed the third most fantasy points to the opposing tight end this season. Mike Gesicki, 10% in ESPN, 19 in Yahoo. As super producer Dan mentioned weeks ago, Gesicki's target share has trended upward since Preston Williams' injury. He averaged seven targets per game since Williams was lost for the season and remains Fitzpatrick's number two target behind Devontae Parker. He's a high-floor tight end, two in PPR with a decent ceiling. And David Njoku, 21% ESPN, 29 in Yahoo. Njoku could return from the IR this week with a decent matchup versus uh, Cincinnati. However, he's worth picking up preemptively for Week 15 versus Arizona if you've made the fantasy playoffs by streaming tight ends. Oh, and Seattle just pulled off a, uh, a fake punt here. Very nice. Wow. Wow. Not 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 looking good for Minnesota. Those fans did not look happy in that shot. Um, not right now. But for the streaming defenses, uh, this, these could make you happy in Week 14. We've got <laughs> Tampa Bay with a 3% owned in ESPN, 2% owned in Yahoo. The Colts' offense is really struggling with T.Y. Hilton and Chester Rogers out this week. Tampa Bay's defensive line is stopping the run and getting sacks. It's going to be a risk-reward play against a pretty good Indianapolis offensive line, but Adam Vinatieri's struggles now give added upside for opposing fantasy defenses to perhaps block kicks. Atlanta, 10% owned in ESPN, 9% in Yahoo. Falcons' defense has turned back into a pumpkin with bad showings against Tampa Bay and New Orleans the last two weeks, but Kyle Allen is an even bigger pumpkin. He's completely fallen off since a decent start to the year, and the Falcons are in play this week to bounce back. Tennessee, 32% owned in ESPN, 29% owned in Yahoo. Derek Carr has been eaten alive by the Jets and Chiefs defenses in back-to-back weeks. While Tennessee's run defense is still a concern against a good Oakland offensive line and Josh Jacobs, the Titans should still be able to score some sacks and maybe some turnovers as well on Derek Carr. As for the kickers, Youngway Koo, 57% in ESPN, 50% in Yahoo. Koo was dropped in quite a few leagues with a tough matchup versus New Orleans on Thanksgiving, but he's been lights out and should get more opportunities versus the Carolina team this week that's fallen apart on offense and defense. 
Nick Folk, 20% ESPN, 13 on Yahoo. Folk was released after his appendectomy, but New England released Kai Forbath earlier today and is expected to re-sign Folk and start him this week. He should be a top 10 kicker this week in what could be a high-scoring game versus Kansas City, especially with New England's offense still struggling to score touchdowns. Robbie Gold, 40% ESPN, 18 in Yahoo. Now back healthy from his quad injury, Gold is worth picking up, especially for teams who have secured a first-round playoff buy. While Gold's uh, Week 14 matchup versus New Orleans isn't the greatest, San Fran should get plenty of points versus Atlanta in Week 15. And that's going to just about wrap up our show. Um, a lot going on tonight. Uh, big news with that Cook injury. Uh, nothing has ever been decided, so as long as you make the playoffs, you've got a shot. And hopefully uh, you will do well in your Week 14 matchups. As we said, uh, a lot of these sit-start decisions are going to come down to your specific scoring, your specific matchup. Um, everyone's got a different tolerance between risk and rewards. So sometimes it pays off, and sometimes uh, you could get a big fat zero from a guy like Russell Gage, who could also go for 100 yards and a touchdown. That's why. Yeah. And that's. Sorry, go ahead. And that's just fantasy. Yeah, that's just how the cookie crumbles. Um, that's the way. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I like it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Indeed. Um, and if you like our advice, you can follow us on Twitter for more specific fantasy advice pertaining to your league and or team. You can find me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And I'm at FFA underscore LOS, L-O-S. And you can find Super Producer Dan at FFA underscore Dan, D-A-N, Dan. And then, of course, we're available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. So go ahead and click subscribe. Whether you're listening to us on your computer or your mobile device, you will have a notification about a great podcast ready for you Tuesday morning before you before you get to work, on your way to work. De-stress, compress, relax, and get set for the next week of football, man. And women. <laughs> indeed and uh hopefully all of you woman, woman yeah uh, hopefully uh all of you had a nice thanksgiving with friends and or family and we're now into december where fantasy heroes are made or broken so good luck in week 14 if you've made it thus far and as always it's a fantasy world and we're all just addicts in it thanks addicts Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18-plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. 